to The Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 93rd episode, our guest is Jeff Weiss. Here's his biography. Jeff Weiss is a writer from Los Angeles. He founded the blog Passion of the Weiss in late 2005, after a drunken revel led him to get tattoos of several blog bands named after animals. He does not regret the Wolf Parade one. Other bullet points he feels compelled to hype. He was the co-host of the Shots Fired podcast. He writes the Rolling on Dubs column for Pitchfork and, until recently, the Bizarre Ride column for LA Weekly. One time, he co-authored a book about Biggie and Tupac. Other random self-aggrandizement. He's been anthologized multiple times in the Best American Music Writer series. Passion of the Weiss was named the LA Weekly's Best Music Blog in 2013. And he was named Big Kahuna at High Five Sports Camp at age 8. You can find him on Twitter at Passion Weiss. Finally, I'd like to extend an open invitation to anyone currently associated with the LA Weekly. You're welcome to come on the podcast and give your sides of the story anytime. And now, on to the show. Anyway, like I said, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, and uh, I definitely wanted to, uh, yeah, not a problem. And, uh, you know, I definitely wanted to talk to you first because I read your Sublime uh, 40 Ounces to Freedom retrospective with the 20th, 25th anniversary of that. Um, you know, we were, we were talking a little bit before we, we got rolling here about how, you know, there's a lot of snobbery in music. And, and I, I think one thing maybe that people don't buy, and I don't understand why they don't buy it, is they think like Brad New, Bradley Noel was being insincere in some way. Um, yeah, and I, I don't mean, think that's and, true and, at all. And, you know, and it's kind of what I was kind of touching on what we talked earlier, but it's sort of the mm. thing about Sublime is they are they're quintessentially Southern California band. And right. I mean that they're stupid and they're a beach band or like, you know, they're like, bro, we smoke weed. Like, yes, that's part of it, of course. But like, you know, there's like there's everything from like little bits of reggae because there was a reggae record shop that, that they'd buy at Long Beach. I mean, Long Beach is one of the most diverse communities in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, black people, Latino people, uh, white people, they would all mix. You know, they went to Wilson High, but like Pauly High had like Snoop Dogg and Cameron Diaz at the same time. <laughs> and like, yeah, like, I mean, apparently Snoop Dogg, according to the urban legend, like Snoop Dogg sold weed to Cameron Diaz when they were in high school. And wow. like, that's the kind of place Long Beach is. And, you know, I'm not from Long Beach, like I'm a little up north, but you know, it's the and Long Beach are pretty similar in a lot of ways. But there is a difference in, like, you know, the sound of Long Beach is very much influenced in the chronic because you have Snoop and you have you have Nate Dogg and you have Warren G. And the influence of, you know, there were a lot of, like, African-Americans that came to Long Beach uh, in the World War II time to work in the factories and mm-hmm. shipyards because obviously there's a huge port there. And a lot of them were from the South. And so there's Baptist churches in Long Beach, whereas... And there aren't as many in other parts of Southern California. So there's all these like, little regional variances and ticks that sort of play into it. And, you know, to kind of tie back into the whole LA Weekly thing, because I, I covered, you know, I, I wrote about the Chronic on its 20th anniversary for uh, LA Weekly. I wrote about Sublime's 25th anniversary uh, of 40 Essence Freedom for the Weekly. There are ways to kind of speak to the community that only people from the community can necessarily uh, understand. You're speaking mm-hmm. a certain vernacular. Uh, every city has its own slang, uh, especially L.A. You know, I think, I mean, there are a lot of, almost every city has its own slang. But L.A. in particular, and I've, I've said this a lot, it's a block-by-block city. And not in the sense that New York is a block-by-block city. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't change necessarily that dramatically. But, you know, it, it is like, you think about the gangs, you know, you can walk. Mm-hmm. A thousand feet in one direction and step into a different hood. Where if you're in, the, you where like you can't 
like if you are, I mean, like I obviously didn't wasn't a gang member, but you know I've interviewed dozens and dozens of them, and you know we've spoken at length, and you know you can't. There are hoods you just can't walk in. You know, like there are like, and people don't understand that. You know, I, I think a lot of people heard about gang banging or really figure, you know, from from Good Kid, Mad City by Kendrick Lamar. You know, if they're if they're younger, obviously, mm-hmm. Ray mm-hmm. and NWA introduced you to a generation before that. But like, you know, stuff where he'd be like. Where you know where your mom, where your grandma stay, you know, like stuff like that, you know, like that. That is sort of like, what hood are you from? Are you from? Are you the enemy, or are you from like a, a hood that we're, we're we're cool with? You know, and it's like funny because it's like I, you know, I interviewed Kendrick Lamar. And I've told the story a million times, but it's a funny story, so I figure I'll just keep on telling it because you know, <laughs> interview Kendrick Lamar every day. He like barely does interviews anymore, so I'm like fuck it. But mm-hmm. I think uh, it was a story for the Hollywood Reporter actually. And again, you know, to go back to the weekly Kendrick Lamar, his first cover, I believe, was an LA Weekly cover, and um, and so he, <laughs> I'm like out in uh, some ridiculous uh, like. He was, he was doing the Grammy, so he was doing that thing with Imagine Dragons, where, like, they were going to create a song, so I spent, like, the afternoon watching them, and, like, Kendrick is brilliant, and Imagine Dragons are, like, just, like, explosions! <laughs> and, like, oh! and they're giving all these ideas, and Kendrick is, like, wandering around, you know, like, kind of just a writer's personality, like, very introvert-thinking, kind of pacing in the corner. And, I, you know, I recognized a lot of, like, just that writer that writer mentality, you know, kind of the loner at the corner. And, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's part of where he gets, you know, his part of his gift and uh so then like later on that night you know i, I meet kendrick that afternoon and, you know, what's, what's what's going on we don't really talk and then like later on that night uh i get, i'm invited to the interview because he's playing he's playing a big like beats by dre show at, at i forget where it is some one of those casinos you know all the fucking same and he's in this big beautiful room in the cosmopolitan like it looks like a, it looks like a sparkling chandelier turned upside down like everything's crystal and you're just like jesus christ this is, <laughs> this is how the other half lives and you know i'm sure for him someone like him that must be you know particularly striking group in compton you know and it's like because it's, it's it's a different different world and so i walk into this interview and kendrick lamar like you know i'm sitting in the room like awkward in the corner and it's like me and like all of td and like he's probably and, and I'm cool with them, but he really doesn't give a fuck who I am. And um, he's like, where are you from? And, you know, I'm like, well, I'm from L.A., but, you know, the Hollywood Reporter threw me out here. I assume he's like, what What city are you from? What publication are you writing for? Because, like, you know, when you're at that level, like, you're not that invested, I don't think, in the minutia of Mm-mm. what publication. You know, it's like, I'm sure he's done so many interviews at that point. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, you know, give my answer. And he's like, no, he's like, no, nah, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, Kendrick Lamar is banging on you. <laughs> so I say Treetop Pyru, which is, you know, um, it's a gang from, from uh, you know, west side of Compton. And uh, he grew up, they were they were cool with, you know, he was cool with Treetop from what I had been told or gathered over the years. And, you know, like, and uh, so he, he starts laughing hysterically. And he's like, it's like, oh, man, you're all right. Like, sit down. But stuff like that, where it's like, not to say that I'm like any kind of like great translator of LA, which like, you know, I'd like to be, but it's not my place to say, but like, there are things that you have to understand about any place that you are covering. And that is one of the main things why I'm so outraged. I'll continue to be outraged the day I die that these Orange County carpetbaggers thought that they could just come in, fire everyone, find a bunch of replacements as though those replacements exist. And we didn't work, you know, like you can just pull from an unlimited pool of people that understand how to cover a culture. And with all the sensitivities and idiosyncrasies and parents in that. And, um, and that's just kind of what I'm talking about. It's like knowing that like, 
you know, knowing how to get to Garden Grove without Yelp. <laughs> you know, like, like, little thing. Actually, they, they probably actually know how to get to Garden Grove because they're from Orange County. But um, they certainly don't know how to get to, like, you know, any part of downtown L.A. that doesn't have, like, the uh, $100 plate restaurant. You know, it's just, like, it's preposterous. And, uh, yeah, like, honestly, fuck them. And fuck everyone who's down with anyone that supports exploitation of communities because that's what this is ultimately a, a thing it's like you came in you're trying to exploit a community you're trying to abuse the trust that these journalists and this publication had built up over four decades and then you're trying to have your way with it and, and whether they're white or not um cause some of them aren't white it is kind of the notion of white privilege and i don't necessarily want to you know what i mean like it is that notion of like hubris it's like i can do whatever i want because i'm rich and it's like, I'm sick of that shit. And I know a lot of other people are sick of that shit. And like, something has to change in like American life. So like, I, you know, I don't think this is any kind of thing that's going to be like certainly transformative, like on a bigger level. I hope it does. But I just like think, I think it's important to take stands. It's like the same reason why I'm so mad when I watch Congress. And I'm like, I watch all these like, Democrats. Like, oh, we lost 49 51. And wait till the, they're chanting, like, wait till the midterms. And it's like, honestly, all of you go fuck yourself. Why don't one of you stand up and say something that's like profound? And deep and has a moment because I believe in symbolic gestures and I think that's what life has been I'm a writer been a writer my whole life <laughs> you look at like you know you look at the history it's like people like stand up you might die but like people are going to remember that fucking speech you know people are going to remember the gesture you made people are going to remember the fight people are going to remember the struggle and those are all the rappers that I love like you know I wrote a book on Tupac mm-hmm. like Tupac died like you know he, he died for reasons that that a lot of, you know, I, I, I think it had more to do with his beef with, with Biggie and, and, and the Crips and it had to do with um, him being a, like a revolutionary, but he was a revolutionary and that's why his his idea has kind of lived on because he was fighting against these structures and he did so many things, you know, and like I'm not, I'm not in any way trying to equate myself, but it's like that's someone, that's a hero, you know, it's a hero and that's a hero to a lot of people in LA and um, I wasn't about to grow up on Pac and be like, I'm going to let these, these Orange County motherfuckers like come in, fire everyone, disrespect the city. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grow up listening to Ambitions of the Rider and like to live and die in LA and hear it that many times. So I let that happen. So, you know, I'm, I'm out here and I don't know, I'm trying to make it so they leave because they have to leave and uh, I'll haunt their, you know, what, no matter what happens to me, I will haunt their life until, until, until my last breath because I don't, Mm-hmm. I think people need to be. I, I, I'm a I'm a firm believer in that people like can't do that. You know, it's like I, I, I'm one of those people that I'll give like everyone like the most respect and then dignity, regardless of who they are. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important. I think that's a big problem in American life is people think because you're rich you have some kind of like wisdom or like you know so there's something about you that has led to your wealth. But I, you know, I grew up around plenty of wealthy people and I found that just not to be the truth. And, you know, but I, I think, like, these people, they're terrible men, and they've proven to be terrible men, and they've, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've followed, like, what they've done as they're writing. Have you looked at Daily Weekly? Hopefully, I mean, I assume not, because no one will ever read Daily Weekly again. So, and I mean, they like, want to replace the entire staff, we should say, for people that don't know, with unpaid contributors. Uh, they, they well, fought, yeah. Co- should I just should I just backtrack and kind of maybe a little bit just for people? Okay. I mean, I know what you're talking about because I've been following so, this situation. But yeah, just backtrack a little bit. Shout out to all the people that are still listening. <laughs> like, but but now we know this is our our real crowd here. Now that they've gotten through, yeah. you know, <laughs> real real heads. Oh yeah, strictly fan members. Oh yeah, um, these are the deep cuts. So 
So I, I, I feel like I've told the story so many times because I'm just like screaming on the internet. But so if you're just following now, my name is Jeff Weiss. I was a columnist for the LA Weekly for uh, six years. I was a writer for 10. Uh, I loved the LA Weekly. It was a place that I got to kind of speak to. I'm from Los Angeles. It was a place I got to speak to people from Los Angeles, people who lived in Los Angeles. You know, I, my, my grandparents were raised in Los Angeles. I, I, it was uh, a place I love very dearly, um, you know, with all the good and bad that comes with it. And uh, so... About at the top of the year was announced that LA Weekly was on was for sale. Uh, they were owned by Voice Media Group, a company that I have uh, no good to say about, and I don't think anyone who's worked for them really would. Uh, they they squeezed every last dime out of the, the weekly. They refused to invest in it properly. Uh, they didn't. They had no ideas for innovation. Um, nothing. They just tried to make every dime they could. And to my to my knowledge, uh, the paper was profitable every single year. And it was we've been consistently told that the LA Weekly was kind of the crown jewel in the uh, the chain of newspapers that they had. Uh, they are trying to get out of uh, media, more or less. They're trying to do digital, uh, native digital advertising. And so they're trying to basically divest themselves of all the properties and just shift direction. So instead of going, you know, the, pay, the price of the paper kept dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. Instead of being a rational, insane, and decent people that would go to the editorial staff and be like, hey, look, this is what's going on. Um, do you want to maybe talk amongst yourselves? Like, you, you know, we need to get a buyer. Like, we are going to shut it down. Like, maybe you should look into it. You know, because I'm not going to divulge the sell price here, but it was very low, and it was the kind of thing that almost anybody who grew up in a city like L.A. who has any kind of network could probably have helped raise enough money or, like, you know, got to the right people to get to the right people to raise enough money. It really was a low sale price. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a fire sale price. And... They didn't do that. Instead, they sold it to these men uh, who no one even knew who they were. They, they formed an entity called Seminal Media. No one had any idea what that was. They had no publications in the past. They contacted no one at the paper. After purchasing it, some months go by. We still don't know who they are. Finally, like they sneak in over Thanksgiving break when all the editors are gone, like creeping like thieves in the night. And they kept telling to the office, and they're like, oh, we got a paper, you know? And they like, realized it. Like, and then two days later, without any warning, the publisher uh, gets an email around midnight. Everybody is fired. Half the advertising department is fired. Every editor is fired. Every staff writer but one uh, <laughs> gone. No exit interviews. No one comes in to shake your hands and shake their hands, thank them for their service, and uh, excuse them. It's just the most callous. Oh, mind you, three weeks before Christmas. And if you weren't in the union, you didn't get any severance back from what I was told. Uh, and uh, so part of it was, of course, to bust the union because. We, we end up realizing who the owners are. Finally, after public pressure, they're forced to reveal themselves. Uh, the front man, <laughs> who's like the, the Scott Stapp of uh, newspaper owners. Uh, front man, <laughs> is, uh, you mean that as a compliment because Scott Stapp's so great, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, to be fair, like Brian Kaye was the, was the man who was the owner. Scott Stapp at least was successful. Brian Kaye failed <laughs> upwards. Uh, no, it's fine. Brian Kai, it's fine. I hope he hears it. When he, his name is Google for the rest of his life, it will be synonymous with failure. I hope he knows that because his life is going to be over. And, um, and nah, I'm sorry. I, just, I don't, I, I don't have that much, I have, uh, you know, I don't have that much chill, but um, I don't think like you can in these kind of situations. And, uh, but I actually do have a lot of shells just in this. I just don't like, I don't, I don't like, I don't like people being exploited. I don't like bullies. 
I really hate that. And I feel like American life is like just people being bullied and like just these like, you know, it's like that old quote about like the future is like a boot crushing a person's neck. I feel like now it's like a Ferragamo fucking boot crushing, mm. crushing someone's neck. Hmm. I hate that shit. And um, so anyways, they are, everyone is fired. They're too stupid to do an exit interview, which is like step one. It's like, okay, you are terrible men. Like you're firing and they're all men, of course. Mm-hmm. And they fired every woman editor. They only kept one man who turned out to, uh, you can Google hello Aaron's tweet to find out what he was like. But, um, they, they kept, they kept one person. They, they, they fired the publisher. They fired half the advertising department and the paper, of course, was in shambles. You know, I started, I started a kind of, I went, I had a tweet rant that kind of went viral. I publicly resigned uh, two days later, Henry Rollins, legendary punk front, front man, a black flag resigned. Uh, a, a woman named April Wolf was our film critic, kind of uh, also joined in the warpath along with a bunch of other really uh, wonderful writers, uh, Rebecca Hathco, Katie Bain, Max Bell, uh, the list honestly goes on. We end up staging a funeral um, for the paper. It gets covered in every publication that I can think of. Uh, and here we are, uh, Stalingrad. We, <laughs> but a month in, I'm still attacking them. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to keep on still attacking them. And the paper, if you haven't, if you've, I mean, no one has, it, it's sad. It's, it's like a zombie. You know, it's like I've been telling people, I'm like, you know, those zombie movies where, like, it's like the hero or, like, you know, the heroes or whatever, or, like, you see their grandma and like, oh, grandma, like, I, I love you. And then they're like, but it's like, not your grandma. It's like a zombie grandma. And she, like, tries to kill you. And you're like, oh, you gotta cut off grandma's head. You know, and you're like, no, but it's not your grandma. And that's what I have to say. It's like, this is not what I love. This is, this is, it's pathetic. And they have, you know, it's really hard. And, like, that's the thing that's so frustrating is it's like, uh, like I, I've I, I edit, I've edited a website called Passion the Life for twelve years. I was like one of the first music blogs. I taught so many kids how to write, um, you know, or help them learn how to be better writers. I should say cause a lot of them already knew how to write, but um, it's it's hard. It's really hard to run a publication. My publication has never been profitable. I had, I mean, yeah, I had interest at one point in turning it profitable, but at the end of the day, like I'm probably going to go for a user funded, a crowd crowd funded model because I'm not interested in kind of running like a you know. A massive publication. You know, I, I'm not, I wasn't interested necessarily trying to turn it into like a vice or pitchfork. And I have so much respect for, for the people that did, you know, to do that. But it's, it's really difficult. And to think that you can buy an all weekly <laughs> in 2017 and, um, do that is just unthinkable. And then, you know, I, it probably should be mentioned, um, that all the people who bought it, of course, were, uh, ultra conservative, mm-hmm. uh, right wing people from, from Orange County who had no, no investment or relationship with the city of Los Angeles. Uh, Brian Kaye served on, he has the vice president of the Claremont Institute, which is an ultra conservative think tank in Claremont that produced people like Andrew Breitbart, uh, Chuck Johnson, James O'Keefe, uh, I believe it's O'Keefe, it might be James Keefe, I think it's James O'Keefe, who's behind Project Veritas, yeah. yeah, Project Veritas, mm-hmm. um, and that shit is sinister, and like you shouldn't be buying a progressive publication, like you know, you know what it's about, and you know, of course, I call, you know, we, we pulled them, pulled their card, you know, Orange County Weekly did some great reporting on the list of donations that these men had given to, and it was just a real haunted house of ghouls, like Mitch McConnell, 
Donald Trump, somebody gave 25 grand to the Donald Trump for Victory Committee. You know, Pete Wilson, who was behind Prop 187. Dana Rohrenbacher, who was the pro-Putin mm-hmm. politician from Dana Point, who was like very pro-weed. You know, and like it was, it was a, you know, my, a lot of people are like, well, why do you think they did that? I'm like, I honestly think it's, it's two things. I think they did want to, they did have an ideology. Brian Kaye, his former job was as the, he was the opinion editor and op-ed page editor uh, of the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group. And the Southern California News Group is the long story, but it's basically owned by a company called Digital First Media that owns all these like small community newspapers uh, all throughout the West, which is then owned by a company called Alden Global Capital, who's owned by who is basically just by owned by a man named Randall Smith, who's like this like seventy-five-year-old hedge fund billionaire that like buys like $60 million of real estate in Palm, in Palm Beach every year. It's disgusting. And that's what they, you know, that's the story of media in the 21st century. It's uh, these men just taking advantage and squeezing every dime that they can, you know, a million here, a million there mm-hmm. out of these uh, media properties that are, that are, you know, it's enshrined in the constitution. I know it's been said a lot over the last year, but that is real. And, you know, like I do believe in the Washington, I read the Washington Post a lot. And like, that's a brilliant slogan, democracy dies in darkness. And it's, that's what these people are trying to accomplish because it serves their ends. If there's no one covering, you know, shady real estate developers or these, uh, one of the men is a boutique hotel developer, which is kind of a front. Cause if you look into his politics and his political donations, it's kind of ghastly. Um, but yeah, like, like we're, I don't think real estate developers uh, serve this country. Well, you know, if you look at who's in the oval office right now and, uh, I think we need to be vigilant about it and, and, and fight it because it's, um, it's dark and it's important for, I think, people to recognize that. And this isn't like, mm-hmm. you know, you live in Southern Indiana. So it's like, I'm sure like, you know, your, your perspective is different than mine because, you know, you're kind of, I, I've been to Southern Indiana and it's, it's pretty, I mean, it's obviously a very conservative place outside of mm-hmm. Bloomington. And, um, or I guess that's Northern Indiana, right? But, um, outside of my apartment, it's very conservative. <laughs> very conservative. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's real. And like, it, it's, <laughs> There is, you know what, like, and, and, and you know, it's funny. The Daily Caller hit me up for a quote. They did a story. I didn't even, I honestly, I didn't know what it was. I was like, oh, it's Tucker Carlson's paper, and I looked at it. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, you know, I thought it was important to to talk to them because I do think it's important to talk to people because I think it's important for, especially liberal people, to like tell you know, like conservative people that you are not evil for having your beliefs. That does not necessarily make you evil. You are evil for your your moral decisions, for the way you treat other people, for uh, what what kind of energy and, and negativity you bring into the world, you know? And just because somebody's conservative, you know, you know, like Mitt Romney's an evil man. I disagree with all of his politics, but okay, you know what I mean? Like, he, he brought Obamacare to Massachusetts before it was called Obamacare. So he's not, you know, he's not, you know, even like a man like John McCain, like, I disagree with a lot of what he's done, but, you know, obviously it seems that there's a final court, uh, some kind of principle there, regardless of whether I agree with it or not. And, and I think every journalist has understood that, um, yeah, there's been tons of conservative people that have owned publications. I mean, Rupert Murdoch has owned, he owned the Village Voice, I believe, for a long time. You know, and that's fine. You know, if it, the, the, your your compact uh, as an owner is with with the readers, and you know, obviously profitability. But when you know when that bleeds into the agenda of a publication, and when you're trying to exploit you know the public trust that someone's built, then that's when it kind of becomes you know some, a completely different situation. And also, I might add uh, the, the sheer incompetency. It's it's hard to watch mm-hmm. something you you know. I, I have ten years of archives of Daylight Weekly, and um, you know. 
I'm really proud of it. I think I did some good work. You know, I wrote cover stories on DJ Quick, Freddie Gibbs, uh, Tyler the Creator. Uh, I mean, I covered the Jerkin Movement, which is a phenomenon that produced YG, who's another huge rapper from LA. I mean, but just I, I, you know, a lot of big stories. I you know, the Doors, like I did a big story where I interviewed all the surviving members of the Doors, mm. and uh, about around LA woman. So, you know, I'm I like have a certain. Uh, proprietary relationship with LA Weekly, so I guess that, that explains the sensitivity, but... Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, we should probably explain, too, that because, you know, yesterday was January 1st, you know, and uh, recreational marijuana, of course, became mm. legal in California uh, for sale, and, um, you know, we, we also have some investors in, in, involved here that uh, yeah. are involved in the marijuana industry, so can you explain yeah. that connection a little bit? Yeah, which is super sad, because I spent my entire life waiting for weed to be legal, <laughs> and now it's and now. exploited by the worst people. I'm like, oh, sobriety is cooler than these men. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, one of the men is like some marijuana lawyer or something. I don't know. Like, whatever. And, uh, but you know, I, I have covered the weed industry. You know, I actually had a weed column. I got a little political uh, that they kind of, kind of uh, took away from me after like two columns, I think, but mm. well, many years ago. But yeah, they, they, it's pretty obvious that it was a two-fold, two-pronged approach. They thought they could just fire the staff, carry on the skeleton thing. Occasionally slip in, you know, a, a libertarian-esque op-ed thing, you know, maybe attacking a teacher's union, uh, you know, or which is the biggest donor of the Democrats to the Democrats of California. Or they thought, you know, maybe we'll, we'll attack Maxine, a Maxine Waters from the left or support third-party candidates, split the vote, that sort of thing. Another, I think the other business strategy was just like this, like, what be the new high times, bruh? And, uh, good luck. Like, it's like, also, like, what is the appetite for weed journalism? Like, on, like, like, how much, like, how, it's like, what do you, like, who needs to read about weed? Like, the, I mean, you just smoke it. Like, no, you know, <laughs> what, what is the market? Like, I don't, like, it's like, I don't think, like, wine spectator is, like, the most bustling market in the world. And it's like, I mean, how many times can you be like, oh, a sour diesel versus this new strain we've got? Shut up. Shut the fuck up. It's condescending to smokers. Because, like, I, I, I mean, I still smoke, but I mean, like, I was, I, I mean, I still smoke, but, like, I was the biggest smoker. Like, I was smoking every day. Every single word I ever wrote for the LA Weekly until maybe two years ago was high. <laughs> and, uh, like, I got really, really high. And, um, but, like, fuck you. Get off my turf, motherfucker. Like, that's not, you know, that's, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not, that's not going to work either because fucking smokers aren't that stupid. They're, no, you know, they're normal people, especially not in LA. Like, yeah, like. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm eventually going to start calling up all these. I mean, we are. We have been calling up these dispensaries. And, like, we're going to keep calling up these dispensaries. And, like, because what dispensary wants to be, like, the one that's, like, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm giving money to a bunch of Trump supporters. Like, who needs that in Southern California? Like, you know, my dad, like, I mean, has his own, like, conservative viewpoints that I vehemently disagree with. You know, he's he's somewhere in the middle. I mean, but he's all over the place. And, um but, you know, even he was like, yeah, I don't understand why a bunch of conservative men would buy a paper in L.A. Like, you have to serve the needs of the community. It's like just mm-hmm. square one. Mm-hmm. So now, of course, now they're like, oh, we're really liberal. I don't know where these fake news things are coming from. And I'm like, dude, you're moderating a panel on Obama's foreign policy disasters. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Like, you're literally tweeting how much you, like, want to, like, play softball with Chris Christie. Or, like, you know, uh, it's the whole thing is just preposterous and just mm. the most firefest level incompetency and it's such a shame and tragedy for the city of Los Angeles to have to go through this because it's like 
Oh, I didn't even mention that. The, one of the other things I should backtrack was one of these men, as soon as they bought the paper, goes, well, Los Angeles is really a cultural capital the way that mm-hmm. New York or San Francisco is. Meanwhile, this guy's from Arcadia and lives in Dana Point, which if you're not from L.A., one is like a suburb, like it's like this white bread suburb 25 miles east of L.A. that has no bearing on L.A. Another one, Dana Point, is like an hour and a half south. And like, it, it's just like, like, like an anthropomorphic Starbucks, like, <laughs> like a pottery barn, you know, like, it's just, it's just so stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I just, I mean, I hate them and I hate what they've done. And I, and I hate, I hate where we're at as a culture that like this is a reality and, and like this is just sort of my like mm. you know my like I'm not taking this shit anymore is my network moment where I'm just like you know <laughs> like I'm mad as hell and I'm not gonna take it you know because Right. Well, I mean, there's kind of a larger narrative happening all over the country, too, because, of course, the Washington City paper was up for sale just recently. Um, And that was, yeah, the last minute kind of save the day uh, situation, because wasn't Ben Carson's chief of staff or something going to buy that for a minute? Armstrong Williams. It was like Ben Carson's like best friend. Yeah. Yeah. it, It was totally nefarious. Like, come on, like. Like what? Like they think we're they think we're really stupid, and you know, and the city paper got shut down in Baltimore, uh, the Houston Press got shut down. Uh, it's basically creative loafing in Atlanta. It now has one staffer uh, as of this last week. The Village Voice no, basically no longer exists in any meaningful form. It's been an all out. LAist and Gothamist were shut down with like the flip of the switch, not even giving the writers and editors a chance to save their archives. I mean, it's really dark and like. Journals, I don't know. Like they're gonna have to start fighting, and like we're gonna have to. We can't. We can't take this lying down. And like the people that read these, like we're gonna all have to. Like there is some civic responsibility that we're all gonna have to like come to grips with, and like to make things better because like this is a war. You know, I, I do feel like it's a civil war without bullets. You know, and like whether it's right or left, or whether it's like the rich versus the poor. It might be a little bit of both, you know, but it's real and it's not like, you know, it's not like sulking on Twitter is like not going to do anything. So that was my goal with this is like, okay, let's, what can we do? We can start calling advertisers. We shut down this event called Tip and Sweet that they did. Um, you know, that was told they lost a lot of money. Well, so, you know, and like, but, you know, Taco Landy was another big event that they had every year, a man named Bill Esparza, you know. To shout out to him, not like you know, I'm sure he's not listening. But if he was, it's cool because he shut down the event. And like, there were things like that. Like, I wasn't running to the LA Weekly to make a lot of money. Like, I got paid a fraction of what I got paid in other places directly the LA Weekly. But I did it because like there is like you no know, other said like that that kind of relationship that you have with your city and the ability to speak to your city in a kind of meaningful way that you can't necessarily do as a national publication. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think all the writers were like that. You know, no one was like no one was getting paid like the highest rate at the LA Weekly. And, um, yeah, so mm-hmm. I, mean, I know there's bigger things in the world to think about when Donald Trump is, like, tweeting nuclear threats and uh, <laughs> moon, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily recuse us from, like, you know, following up and kind of making sure that, like, we have a local media to cover these, like, swindles and heists and culture that is, like, you know, important. Mm-hmm. You know, like, LA, like, I mean, there's so many artists that I covered over the years, so many rappers, so I mean, you know singers and, and just musicians and that they got that break in LA Weekly. You know, so many writers got their chance in LA Weekly and that goes for all these alternative weeklies. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I'd be like, I hear about a rapper who is popular in like a small, like, you know, in a regional place. And I'd Google around and the only story written about them was in the local weekly where they'd be like, 10 rappers you need to know from like 
whatever city, you know? And then, mm-hmm. like, you'd, I'd listen, and I'd be like, that's cool. I just discovered three rappers I love. And, like, two years later, they'd be national stars. And, you know, it's important. You know, it's important that, like, it, it goes beyond, it, like, you know, you have to cover, like, you know, reporters are going to their, where they come from. It's different than, like, oh, a national publication is calling you up on the phone and you're doing a 45-minute phone or versus, like, Oh, you're going to the hood. You, you're, you know, I like. I mean, I went to Compton with DJ Quick. I mean, like, I, I, I went everywhere. You know, I went to like every hood. I went to Watts to do a story on local, which is the new Roy Choi restaurant. You know, it's like you would, as a reporter, you're forced to like have a better understanding of your city, and that no longer exists because it's dead. You know, the Light Weekly's dead. All these other Alt Weeklies are dead, and I'm terrified for mm. honestly the future of journalism. It's, 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 it's. It's very scary, and like, and I think like we can't let ourselves be consumed by the fear because I think that's that's the most negative thing that we can ultimately do. Yeah, win for sure. And you know, it's interesting that this is happening for you right now because also across town we've got the L.A. Times, but just about to have their unionization vote. Um, so yeah. we've got you know a lot of you know, and we got all these websites pivoting to video, and yeah, it's a terrifying yeah. time to be in in yeah. journalism. And you're yeah, right. I mean, it's 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 just like uh, you either sit down and cower, and or you just kind of take the reins and, and try to do something about it. Yeah, and, and like, I, I, it doesn't matter if we win. I mean, it does matter if we win. Of course, you know what I mean. Like, of course, it matters if we win. But like, thinking that you're going to lose doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. And I've always believed that. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I don't know. Like, you like, I you know, you know, like the old story, like Masada, like in Israel, like uh, or Palestine or whatever. I'm not gonna get into the Jew. I don't want it's a minefield. I don't really want to say it's a powerful story. It's a powerful story right. about how, like, you know, the the, the ancient Israelites mm-hmm. were rebelling against the Romans. Right. They retreated up. You know, I, I don't really fuck with religious zealots, which they were, which is when the name zealots actually comes from. <laughs> but yeah, they're like, all right, we're gonna all kill ourselves rather than like let mm-hmm. you kill us. Yeah. And like that to me is an inspiring story, and people still talk. You know what I mean? It became like you know a folklore myth for you know the the, the Israelis and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, which I'm not endorsing any of them. People get so crazy. I'm like you know, and I understand why. But yeah, if we if you ever want to do an Israeli Palestine conference, we can do that. <laughs> but, um, there's no no winning. Everyone just gets mad at you. And you yeah, right. Like, it's like there's no winning. Like. like you can't win. <laughs> you just know what. You know, <laughs> you know, that's whatever. But um, right. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of, it's just fucking depressing. And like, yeah, like, and like, it is, it is like pivoting the video. Like, and it's like you know, I'll give you an example. I had a really interesting conversation with a young, talented writer who, um, you know, he's a Mexican American, first generation uh, kid who grew up in LA, and um, super smart. And I think he's going to be an, an amazing whatever he wants to be but that's the point like he would have been a writer 10 years ago mm-hmm. and now he has to be everything you know he has to do shows he has to run a website he has to do video he has to do a podcast all these things and i've had to do them too that's one of the reasons why i've kind of made you know gotten out of the muck a little bit even though i still feel very much in it but you know like i had to do all these things and i don't want i didn't want to, i don't want to be on the internet ever i didn't want to be on twitter it took me forever to be on twitter <laughs> i hated it and um but you know, like I asked him, I was like, "Hey, you know, who are like the young? You know, do you know of any other like young like people of color like about your age or age twenty five? And I was like, you know, who are like 
you really believe in um, who you think are really dope. And he's like, honestly, like most of the people I know that are like my age that are really getting into it, they're like, they're not really writing in the same way that, you know, maybe they'll have a blog or maybe they'll have a Tumblr or maybe they'll tweet, but it's like, they're not writing like long form reported features because I don't even know where you'd start now. You know, I don't know where I would have started if I couldn't have gotten into the LA Weekly. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like I, I mean, where does one start? I don't know. Like, how do you get into it? And it's like, what kind of a system are we building with the only people that can get a job are the people that go to journalism schools. I didn't go to journalism school. Like, no, neither did I. I. I you know, yeah, and like I grew up, you know, in in, in like upper middle class, and my dad wasn't going to pay for that shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> he wasn't because it was expensive, and I wasn't going to take that. Well, I'm like sixty grand in debt to go to journalism school. I mean, props to everyone that does. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, a bunch of really gifted people have come from it. And, like, props to them for assuming debt if they assume the debt. I mean, that's a big risk. I personally am not a debt person. <laughs> like, I don't want that. I'm like, I do not want to be spending, I don't want to be paying back to the university for the rest of my life. And, um, but that's real. And, like, how, where does one start? Mm-hmm. I mean, I started, I mean, to be honest, I started because I started as a blog. But even then, like, it's like, you know, I, I came from, like, a, a you know, like, to, you know, nuclear family. My dad died fairly well. I, you know, I, I knew that I had a little bit of a safety net in case I failed. Like, there, this is really a class thing as well. And that bothers me because I think it's important that people from, like, all classes, you know, like, that, that is a unique and valuable perspective that, you know, maybe we'd understand the world a little bit better if people that came from, you know, didn't come from money were able to go into journalism. And now it, this is just without all weeklies in the chain. It's just another thing in the ecosystem. It's like they're really cutting everything up by the knees because it's like, cool, well, you can write the LA Times and that's great. Like, I mean, I wrote for the LA Times. I was really lucky to get in there really young. And, you know, but not everyone's going to get into the LA Times, mm-hmm. you know? And like... Where, like, how does LA have? You look around. It's like I remember when I first started writing for all weeklies. You know, this is this is 2007. Like the for writing. You know, it's my first. It's like my first real break. And it was like City Beat. I think the Los Angeles Alternative Press was still around. And like records had been going for a minute. You know, already at that point. And then like I, you know, I think there might have been like one or two more. There was there was a place called Entertainment Today that I think had just folded. It was like a weekly entertainment publication. They used to publish this like. They would syndicate my blog posts, which are crazy and awful. I'm like, thank God, there's, they've all been destroyed, hopefully. You know? But that's, we're talking like four or five places, I feel like LA. You know? And they're gone. All of them are now gone. You know, you have the LA Weekly and Los Angeles Magazine, and that's it. And Los Angeles Magazine, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a great publication, but it's a, it's a monthly glossy. You know, it's, it's not, they're not going to write about the new 03 Greedo tape. They're not, they don't know who Draco is. I mean, like, I mean, if they do, like, you know, they'll, they'll, it, it'll be from someone that wrote LA Weekly, you know, because that's, I mean, that's where people like learned and cut their teeth and like, you know, actually, I mean, I, not, I mean, I don't, I don't want that to be you conceived as in a slight in any way. They actually just hired uh, the arts and culture of LA Weekly. And I think it's a great publication, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's just kind of what I'm saying, though. Like, there needs to be a place to cover the underground because that's where culture springs from. Uh, you know, mainstream culture is, is, is usually, like, underground culture with a polished veneer on it. And, you know, it's where they steal from. And, um, you know, you can almost pick any artist. And, and like, you'd be like, oh, well, they, that's, a, that's a major label that stole from this underground artist that, like, the regional legend. And, you know, I talk about someone like DJ Quick. You know, I mentioned him earlier. There's a cover story on him. You have to be from LA to really understand like the depth of like the connection that a DJ Quick or a Sugar Free or like even like a Corrupt necessarily has to the local audience. You know, it, it goes deeper than just like this national relationship. You know, I always said that Quick means more to LA, even though Dre is way more popular, mm-hmm. because Dr. Dre was was for the world. DJ Quick was for LA. 
you know? Hmm. And I felt like that about LA Weekly. You know, the LA Times was, was for the world. And uh, LA Weekly was, well, I mean, they, they both have felt like it's a bad binary. So forgive me for that. But, um, but I think like the LA Times was definitely more for like a mainstream audience is a better way to put it. And uh, the LA Weekly was more for an underground, you know, younger audience. And I think they're both valid and important. And I think it's great when like the LA Weekly would do something that like the LA Times would cover. The LA Times would do something that LA Weekly would cover. And it's like, we need both. We need, we need LAs. We need, we need a lot more publications because I mean, how is a city of 4 million people? That's like, you know, the capital of like, you know, it's like a gateway to Asia. You know, it's a really, in my opinion, like the cultural capital of America right now. How does that not have an, how does that not have three or four papers covering it? And, and, and I honestly believe it's like, I think it's craving mismanagement. I think it's these greedy publications and they, they want to take every dime and it's like, it's corporate ownership. And it's like, because, I don't know about you, but like, if I made a million bucks in profit like last year, if one man makes a million, you are rich. Mm-hmm. But when a corporate when a corporate board that's accountable to their shareholders only makes a million bucks, well then your stock price is dropping, and that's mm-hmm. like not that is not everything should be owned by like a publicly traded company. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. You know, it's I, I don't know where. Like, I mean, I know when this happened, it all happened in the nineties, and it's, it's partially neoliberalism and blah 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 blah, and nothing in Bill Clinton. You know, has his flaws and is a man of his time. But I think we all need to get back to a point where it's like, I don't know, like there needs to be new ideas that like are, are accountable to the, the reality of the 21st century. I feel like we're approaching the world with like these these obsolete lenses, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like how I, 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 you know, it's like that, and that's why like I don't think Bernie Sanders was the right man. But Bernie Sanders was closer to, the, I think, the way that a lot of young people felt because, you know, my problem with him was he was kind of, he, I felt like he was coming out of break up the banks, like this, like, 1950s socialism. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this, like, you know, red baby socialism. Whereas I feel like, I think a more modern, moderate approach would, you know, be effective. And I'm not talking, you know, like some, some version of that that's, like, accountable to modern realities. Because it's just like, I mean, there's a reason why, like, half of young people are, like, more, I think, are like half of millennials are more like down with Marxism. And it's like, not like, I'm not necessarily like either, or I don't think the answer is one extreme, but it's just this culture. Like this culture feels like it's really been teetering out of control. And I guess like, I've been, I think, I don't know about you, but I've been feeling this for so long, at least years, years and years. Mm-hmm. And finally, this was the moment that kind of crystallized, like this was kind of growing agitation. I mean, obviously combined with Donald Trump being the president. You know, <laughs> well, of course, that's just fucking insane. And like every day I'm like, God, he's so, there's not even the words. Like I need to like invent new words, like, you know, like <laughs> from the aliens that they just captured. <laughs> yeah, I like how there's aliens now and nobody even cares anymore. Who cares? <laughs> like, who cares? You're like, okay, so the X Files is real. Next, like I'm going to be killed with nuclear and <laughs> honestly, I need to know because I have to finish my deadline. So it's, like, it's like every day now is like where you're like. Do I do my homework or not? <laughs> like, if it's all over, like, why do I go to school? <laughs> you know, it's like every day of our lives. All I'm, I'm saying like, is, if I don't have to pay rent, the liquor store is right across the street. Just tell me. <laughs> totally. It's like, what the fuck? And I, here we are. I'm like, I was tweeting about it. And I'm like, well, my year started off. My grandfather died. And at the end, I'm fighting Nazis at the local Alt Weekly. Like, 2017, you really did it. <laughs> you know, and it's like, fuck. Are right. you kidding? But that's real. I'm like, you know, me... You know, it's like, I think a lot of people would, like, chalk this up to, like, oh, hysterical snowflake, blah, 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 and you're like, okay, you're broke. <laughs> like, or you're, or, like, it's like, all the people, it's funny, all the people that are saying that are, like, you know, all these conservative people, I'm like, you're struggling to get by, too. Like, I feel like it, I feel like we need to, like, kind of, 
get rid of these. Like, I mean, like, and I, you know, and I'm guilty, of course, of being like, you know, it's such a like Trumpist supporting blah blah blah. But it's like, I think, it, I mean, which is true, and <laughs> I mean it. But it's, I think, it's important that like people have to like get beyond labels because it's like there needs to be like some kind of people's political party that's accountable and like, you know, isn't just like trying to, you know, like. I don't know, I'm going off on my tie. This is what it's like to hang out with me. Like by the end of the night, like, <laughs> can you not go off on your weird tie? Right? But, but you know, it's just like there needs to be something that uh stops this. <laughs> like none of these councilmen have said a fucking word from LA, and it's like I don't know. Like let me run. I guarantee you, if I ran, I mean, that's not like I'm announcing my candidacy right now. But like I know that if I ran for something, like I would. <laughs> <laughs> be like, yeah, you can't do that. Like, that's just wrong. And, like, somebody needs to, like, like, in this world, like, has to stand up and be like, nah, that's not happening. And, you know, I hope, I, the only hope of this thing beyond, like, getting the paper back and, like, sending these people back to, like, a yacht in Orange County that sinks is, uh, <laughs> off the coast of Newport Harbor would be very poetic. It'll be like Arrested Development. I'm really excited about it. Um, hopefully 2018. Mm-hmm. Good. But the only thing I can really hope for is that I hope that people get inspired and do something. And like, you know, I hope that like people in Atlanta like try to buy the paperback from the creative loafing owners. I hope that somebody wants to buy the Village Voice and like turn it into a legitimate publication again. Like, I, 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 I don't know if that'll happen, but I hope that it does because I, I can't I can't watch this and like not, and I just can't like, uh, Twitter age only does so much. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, I think like this is not this necessarily the newspaper thing, but this moment is sort of, uh, this is our Vietnam. This is our civil war. This is our world war two. This is our moment where we have to kind of, you know, fight back against mm-hmm. this kind of like encroaching darkness mm-hmm. because, you know, I always think back to, you know, that the famous Baudelaire cliche, but it's that the devil's greatest trick is making you forget that it doesn't, that he exists. Mm-hmm. And it definitely does exist. And like, we've seen it. And like, Brian Kaya is the devil. Like, I mean that figuratively, but maybe metaphorically, I don't know. He doesn't, he looks like he could have, like, he <laughs> but, um, but that's real. And like, you know, the devil is like a metaphorical concept. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a true notion of like, I don't know. It's like, People have to treat, we have to do better. And I guess, like, best to start here. And, you know, I, I want, I want the paperback. I want people, I don't even care. I just want someone, like, decent and responsible. Like, honest with the political agenda. It's like, just, you know, keep it, keep it, like, honest. You know, that's the most important thing is keeping it honest. And, like, I feel like we live in this, like, horrible thing where, like, we've lost the notion of what honesty is. I think we, we, we all know. But, you know, it's like the way that they've attacked the news. I mean, Donald Trump has systematically been on a campaign to destroy trust in the media. You know, to the point of where, like, I'll talk to like, my family members and they're like, oh, the Washington Post, that's fake news. And I'm like, I write for them. What are you fucking talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's insane. And people think that now. And it's, it's like, I've written for them. I, I've written for all the LA Times. Like, I know what these publications are like. And they're, they're, they're a bunch of, like, decent people trying to, like, they're not, no one's doing this for money. You know, everyone's, and no one's necessarily doing it for ideological needs. People are doing it because they have a dedication to telling stories and to, like, finding out what the truth is. And to watch it just get, like, systematically attacked over the last few years is just demoralizing and vicious and, and damning to, to where we are as a country. And I think, I don't know, I think, I hope it's a momentary aberration. You know, it's like, I'm, I was a history student, you know, you realize there were 200 years of darkness. You know, like the Middle Ages, it was not awesome. 
mm-hmm. and uh, put that on my epitaph. Middle Ages, she was not awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> In case y'all was wondering, not awesome. Told you, yeah. If, yeah, if you don't know, Charlemagne didn't kill it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the Clovis, the Frankish dynasty, not the best. Um, but, yeah, you know, there are periods of darkness, and I hope that... Um, if, they, if people fold out, if, 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 if human, if mankind has been able to you know, survive these periods of darkness, it's because people have banded together and believed in ideas that mm-hmm. were bigger than themselves and resisted, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what it, this is about. You know, this is a symbol what I'm doing and what we're doing uh, is a symbol of resistance. And I mm-hmm. think those are important because I think that's uh that's what people gravitate towards. That's what people can understand. You know, our whole, the whole arc of human mm-hmm. history is a bunch of like, you know, people like screaming in the darkness. And, right. Um, so hopefully, someone, uh, hopefully somebody like, my dream would be like someone fifteen would like listen to this and be like, I am going to do so. I'm going to start my own publication mm-hmm. so that you know it. This doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. You know, because because we all have to like we all have to do better. Yeah. Included. Well, I mean, I understand your uh, your strategy with uh, you know targeting certain events and, and sponsors and that. On the other end of it, though, have you tried to approach anyone about buying it? You know, if it were to be for sale, because I was for sale for a while. You said it went for a very low price. You're trying to, yeah. you know, force advertisers out, and now you know, trying to maybe convince them to sell. But is there someone that could buy it that you? Could I mean I don't know if you've gotten that far. I, but. I, I mean, like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure people people would buy it. Mm-hmm. There, there, people will buy a publication that is like, I, I mean, I you could crowdfund it honestly, and mm-hmm. I think that that would be another way. You know, like, I, I, there are ways. You know, it's like there are. They weren't, that's what I said. Like we're gonna have to find a new model, and mm-hmm. like I, I think crowdfunding is possible. I think you, I think you hold fund. I mean, like who's to say? Like, well, you couldn't get Eli Bro to donate like a painting to fund the LA Weekly for a year. You know what I mean? If you really were trying, like, you, there are so many ways to do it. There's like silent auctions. I mean, what these these packs can raise hundreds of millions of dollars a year, and you can't get two million dollars in operating costs for the LA Weekly. I, I just don't believe that. You know, and I think like again, that's a failure of imagination on our part. You know, we have to we have to reimagine like the future because capitalism is not working well. You know, and in many in many you know I don't know if you saw the Guardian story, but it's like the income inequality is, just gets greater and greater and greater. And someone's LA Weekly is probably emblematic of that, where it's like you can't wait for your Jeff Bezos to come in and like shave the day and be your like Mister Big. You know, and I think like that's what everyone was hoping for. Mm-hmm. And but I, I I do believe that yeah, I mean. I won't get into the logistics of it, but like, yes, there are people that would buy the paper, and okay. if they weren't, then I would kind of try to spearhead something to raise money and turn into a nonprofit mm-hmm. of some sort. Or, I mean, that would be my dream, to be honest with you. Like, I would, I would love to turn into a nonprofit and be able to have it be accountable to the community and have kind of a board of people that kind of look over it. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm in so deep right now that I'm like, I have, like, I feel like some kind of responsibility to. Um, Making sure it it, it it functions if it, if it does get sold, um, and, but you know I I would I, I don't want to be an editor. That's the thing I never wanted to be an editor. I certainly don't really want to be an editor. Um, but you know I want to make sure it's okay. So hopefully um, something good will come of it. I don't know. I, I would like I they they have my email. Like they know they can hit me up. Like if they, I mean if they hit me up tomorrow and be like okay we're ready to sell. Like then I'll be you know I would. I'm sure I could get a group of investors that would buy it. I'm 
99% sure. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see how anyone would, because you have to have community goodwill to be at looking alt weekly. Mm-hmm. You can't. I mean, any publication like that. I mean, it goes. You have to like be loved by your community because the, 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 who's going to say that ads in a hated publication? That's the other thing too. It's like what advertiser could look look at their comments and be like, yes, that's a public. It's like a toxic property. Who wants to be affiliated with that? But when you have a good publication that like has that trust, that has that quality, then I think you will get advertisers returning because they know that it's like what they're going to take. You could take like ten thousand dollar billboard. You can take like a three thousand dollar print ad. They're both kind of valuable, and mm-hmm. but you also know that it's like you know. And that's another thing too. If you became a nonprofit, you know, like people, you could take an ad. If you, advertisers could write it off. I mean, they can write it off. I guess anyways, it doesn't really matter. But you know, um, who knows? Now that the corporate taxes are so low, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> who fucking knows anymore? Why? <laughs> and I'm sure everybody but the workers will be a washing process, right? But, um, but yeah, no, I do. I, I mean, I, I would like. I would. I don't know if they know that they're going to fail, <laughs> but they. I hope they do. But I, I you know, they're they're delusional and stupid enough to buy this publication, so they're probably delusional and stupid enough not to know that they've already lost. It's over. Like mm-hmm. it is over. Like I will keep going, but like they're 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 fatally wounded. Like you can't run a publication with doing what you've done, what they've done. You know they they've insulted the city of Los Angeles. They've, they've insulted the readers. They've insulted the writers. They've insulted the the, the, the community. You know, like just like the, the community of like people with sentient minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyone blinking. You know, would know that like it's 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 a dead paper. I mean, I, I, I wish you could pick it up. I mean, it's honestly the worst paper I've ever read. <laughs> I've read I've read some bad publications, but honestly, like I mean, I've been all around the country, and I've read some really bad alt weeklies, and this is somehow worse. It's amazing. <laughs> I've never seen anything this bad. Or are um, they putting uh, new datelines on stories? They're that... putting new datelines on yeah. stories. They hired a film guy that uh, like was like writing rape porn, more or less. Huh. They uh, <laughs> they hired. They had one of Brian Kaye's uh, Claremont Institute hack some like poor kid that like where he's with the Cato. He was also with the Cato Institute, like. Cato Institute, the Heritage Foundation, one of the two, I don't know, like some ultra-conservative thing thing, like he was writing for them. They have an article today on the 10 albums you need to listen to for ne- this year, local albums, that it's like Lita Ford, Suicidal Tendencies, like, <laughs> and like Kanye. That's like a local album. It's like, what? What are you like, Kanye? What? Famous what L.A. Know? native Kanye West. Yeah, famous L.A. native. Yeah, it's like, and he doesn't even live in the city limits. I get you could be like, it's kind of like your territory. It's like, not really. I don't think you can pick up an L.A. weekly in Calabasas either way. It's fucking ridiculous and stupid. And, like, they should just give up and save themselves from being permanent. Like, save it. I mean, they, they're going to end up with the biggest failure in journalistic history. That goes without saying. So, I mean, or at least in Los Angeles journalistic history, I don't think there will ever be a failure like this dramatic, but um, <laughs> congratulations to them. That, you know, I guess if you can't be good at anything, you should be the best at being the worst. They've done that. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of sounds, you know, one of my questions I was going to ask you is, are you worried about this affecting your career otherwise with other publications? But it kind of sounds like you've reached a breaking point of some sort. So. I don't care. I yeah, mean, like, care. honestly, if some publication, if some publication, like, wanted to, like, not hire me because, like, they didn't, like, because I was, spoke my mind and was uh-huh. honest and, like, tried to fight for, like, 
decency and integrity in journalism, which mm-hmm. is like, and like equity and like treating journalists like human beings. And like, I wouldn't want to write for that publication. Mm-hmm. But I mean, from what I've heard, like, I mean, a lot of people like have, I mean, I've gotten like, I've gotten more like positive feedback about this than probably any story I've ever written or mm-hmm. as much. And, you know, ultimately I would hope that like my writing would kind of speak for itself or, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that I think that's the most important thing that you know, people want good writing. And, yeah. you know, I really care about this shit. And like, you know, I'd rather people be like, you know what? He's an asshole, but he's honest. Mm-hmm. Then like to be liked by, every, you know, to be liked yeah. by everyone. Like that doesn't concern me. Like, I, you know, I've never been liked by everyone. And when I get liked, it's it's wonderful, and I appreciate anyone who has ever read my stories or even favorited them or just you know been like silently just been like whatever. Like I fuck with that dude. Like you know that's, that's kind of all the people that I always gravitated towards. I just you know when I was a kid, like I just was like that person's honest. That person is like real, and I don't mean like real and like keeping it real, like some kind of fake like authenticity credo. I mean just like in terms of like staying true to yourself and what you believe in. And mm-hmm. I tell myself that every day, and I just you know I hope that um. I, but I don't. No, I don't see that affecting my career. And I'm like, honestly, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'll, you know, I'll. I'd rather like if if I got blackballed for for this, then I'd rather do something. I, you know, I would, I would, I, I'm not writing for, for. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a journalist that I need money to survive. But you no, know, I don't write because uh, for the money. Yeah, I, never, I, I you know, understand. It's not because. Yeah, like for me, it's like it's about you know I, I have so many other bigger things that I'd love to write, and for me, it's like. You know, I hate anyone who calls themselves an artist because it's so annoying. But, you know, it's like it is about, like, the art on some level. And mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do is, is do stuff outside of, you know, like, you know, I'm working on a book. And I've been, like, mm-hmm. I've been working on a book for a while. And, you know, that's it's what I always got into. You know, I wrote a novel when I was a kid. You know, I was 20 years old. I started writing a novel. And so I got into writing. I only got into journalism as a way to pay my bills. And because I loved writing and I loved telling stories and I loved L.A. It was a way to kind of fuse all those different things. So. Mm-hmm. That's what's most important to me is yeah. kind of doing good work because I feel like if you do good work and you're honest, then like you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You work really hard, you know. And those are the only things I really try to st- stay focused on. And mm-hmm. when I'm not like trying to bring down fascism in the, at the local, the <laughs> old old weekly, right? For sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd be remiss though if we didn't mention Combat Jack uh, because oh. you know that that tore me up because I thought. Yeah, of course, the Combat Jack show, and then more recently, the uh, Mogul uh, podcast was amazing. And, uh, of course, you have a special connection to that because you were a part of his uh, podcast network for a time. So. Yeah, yeah, I love that, dude. I'm heartbroken about Combat Jack. Yeah. Honestly, like, he was, you know, everything I said online, like, I meant, like, he, what he did was, you know, no different than, like, a stud circle or an Alan Lomax. You know, he was really, like, doing oral history at the most profound level. And he was just, he was an encyclopedia, you know. I, I said that, you know, he could... I mean, he could tell you about, like, 90s rap, New York minutia, like, Paradise Garage, you know, and he, that he'd go to in the 80s. And, you know, he was a real first-generation, like, you know, New York hip-hop. Like, he, he became an icon, you know. He was mm-hmm. he, he was he was there for all these different things, whether it was, like, these, these you know, Bronx jams. I don't you know, 80s from Brooklyn, but, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure he, you know, he was Brooklyn jams, I'm sure, too. And just, he was there, and, and this was just deep reservoir of, of emotion mm-hmm. and he understood hip-hop on a level that was just so impressive to me you know especially someone who's covering it you know and I, you know i'm like a white dude that grew up in like la but like i didn't grow up in the hood and, and jack like really had such a like a fundamental understanding and those are the voices that are so important and i think like that's why he was so important you know because he was like hip-hop he embodied it you know he reflected that spirit and obviously he was a new york guy but there was that you know 
that universalist spirit, kind of that he was interested. You know, he would like talk to his kids about what I'd be listening to. You know, and he just there was he was just there was a profound love and joy that radiated from from Reggie. And you know, like it was funny. Like I did, so I did my like, combat jack episode, and I was like so stoked. You know, like my friend Getty's from Toronto. Hopefully, he's listening. Getty always was so shout out Getty. But he used to be bad, and Getty used to be the managing editor of Potholes, my blog, a great blog that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Just blogs. The economic model is fucked, and like you used to be a crazy person, like me and dude balls, like lose money. <laughs> you know, like I just lose money every year, but I just believe in it, and I'm compulsive. And like I love what I'm saying. I love. I think it's great, and I think we have to keep doing it. Or you know, but so Getty, you know, just he was on Jack or Reggie. And he said, on Reggie, come on, but you jump west and you're trying to jump west and you're finally like, he's like, yeah, 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 do it. And so like I did, you know, I got to, I got to, I was in New York, you know, I had a book reading with my friend Evan McGarvey at, uh, I think it was Housing Works and it was amazing. And like all these New York people came out and I was like, you know, wow, like I can't believe people showed up. But but really the highlight was, was getting on Combat Jack, and, you know, showed up and I brought a couple of my homies. And we were all like, kind of like, you know, we're, we're like adults and we're like totally geeked out. But, we, you know, we were like, this is tight. <laughs> you know, this is great. We're going to be on, I'm going to be on Combat Jack, you know. And like, I did it. And of course, like, I was just like this. I talked way too fast. <laughs> Everyone's like, is he on cocaine? You didn't ask any questions, probably. Like, I guess they do. I'm just like, you're like, just let him go. <laughs> and, uh, but like, and the, you know, at the end of it, he was like, you know, I think I never listened to the original like first twenty minutes because it's just so I get so embarrassed. During people I think the whole first twenty minutes are like they're like, what's he on cocaine? Like say, I've never done cocaine. I'm not a coke guy in any way, so no the answer. You know? But you know, I, I I did it, and um, afterwards, you know, just like he's the guy with like I think it was I think Reggie had three or four kids, and he could have gone home and been with his wife, and like you know. But he, like, wanted to hang out with us. And, like, you know, I, I don't think because we were so cool. I think because he was just, like, that kind of dude. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, we were talking about rap. And he, he hung out with us, like, like one thirty in the morning. And he drove. He drove we were you know, staying at my friend's place. And he drove us back to my friend's place. And, you know, when after he died, we were just talking about it. And we're like, can you believe he did that? Like, can you believe he dropped us off? <laughs> like, what a, like, what an amazing guy. And just so sincere and just passionate. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's maybe what I gravitate towards. You know, like, my I'm saddled with the same passion for life. Because I picked it in 2005 when I was like a kid. And now I'm, like, not a kid. And, like, I don't know fucking name. And it's not going away. But that's, I mean, that's what it's about. It's about that passion and that, like, mm-hmm. that commitment to, like, these ideas. And Reggie just embodied that. And, like, I know that, like, you know, I wish that Reggie was, you know, around because I know that, like, he, he was just the, one of the realest of ones. And, and, and it's such a such a loss for all of us, you know. And, I mean, of course, his family and friends, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. It's such a loss for, like, hip-hop fans. And, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I think I said that was, like, it's, you know, it's like when Big L died or it's when, like, you know, Big Pun died or Guru, more Guru. I know really like a Guru, but if Guru died like in his prime, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of just like, we're like, he had just so much wisdom to transmit and so many stories and faith. you know, I'm so happy that he has all these podcasts that at least he leaves behind that we can re-listen to. And, mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, like you said, the Damon Dash episodes, you know, alone, that's, uh, <laughs> Like, my God, those Dave Dash episodes, you know, where he's just, like, yelling at fucking, like, just blaze for the fake jersey. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. What is happening? This is amazing. And, again, like, I think, you know, you, he, only, he only, that only happened, like, 
you can't just do a podcast and it just happens. You have to be that person. Mm-hmm. You have to make these people feel comfortable. You have to like be Reggie Aussie, you know, or I think Aussie, I say, you know, not to mm-hmm. forgive me, but you have to be that kind of guy with that, that credibility, that, you know, authority. So many times I had to be like that. Me and No Can Do used to do our Shots Fired podcast and we'd be like, they'd be like, what's a podcast? It was like five years ago, four years ago. And I'd be like, you know, like combat draft. I'm like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, it's like combat draft. <laughs> oh, so many people we would not have gotten on the show because it wasn't without combat draft. Mm-hmm. And just like a legend. And and I'm so sad. I'm like honestly like, it's the loss of combat draft is just. I mean, there's been a, a lot of hard ones. I mean, Fife Dog and Prodigy were mm. both like that. Where I'm just like, ugh. I mean, I love Prince. I love David Bowie. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the of all time. But like. Fife and Prodigy were like my childhood and, mm-hmm. and Jack was just, you know, Reggie was just, I mean, he was just the God, you know, he was the goat. And mm-hmm. it's just like, like we, we are, we are, you know, I, I, I really think about this a lot, you know, cause obviously now like the last few years, I've just been like, Oh, another person dies. Let me get, let me mourn for two days publicly. And like, you know, feel embarrassed about like you know, this weird thing where you're like, Oh, it's got a lot of retweets for capitalizing someone's death. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate the internet for me. You know what I mean? Like, right, it's, yeah. it's weird because it's like, okay, you don't like, want it because of that. You know what I mean? That's no, not why you did no. it. Yeah. I mean, like grieving is just like, you know, it's like, I think we, 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 that is the beautiful, beautiful thing about the internet. It's like, it's just like people, you know what I mean? We'll have mm-hmm. this conversation because of it, because I'll be pouring out uh, like my emotions. And you'll, you'll see it. And you'll be like, we'll talk about it later. And we'll have that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. otherwise it's just, it's just internalized. You know, I think that like, we are obviously all like social creatures and like want, you know, right. Like, feel each other's like pain and like kind of commiserate but mm-hmm. yeah it's just the reggie thing man it's god like it, it just feels like kind of like like when prodigy dies or mm-hmm. the, where you're just like it feels like exactly like how when prodigy dies because you're like you had so much more life in you mm-hmm. you had so much greatness right i don't know it's we're we're but i guess what i was to go to double back because i'm such a rambler but but i guess the point is you have to honestly if, if you really if you like love someone you know, in that in that way, you love their work and you loved what they represented. I think it's your job as a human being, and especially as like a writer or a creative person, to carry on that legacy in, in whatever way you know you 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 think that does them justice and mm-hmm. does their their legacy dignity. Right. And um, you know, and that, that's kind of what I've always you know. It's like we don't like what we do doesn't come from nowhere. Where we are, all, no matter how much, no matter how original you think you are, you are the sum of your influences, more or less. And so, you know, on some level, you know, I think it's important that all of us, like, really, like, you know, do justice to what Reggie stood for, which was, I think, like, no bullshit. It was honesty. It was, like, it was loving. It was being informed and knowledgeable and not just being, you know, and just, like, and, like, going deeper. You know, he would always go deeper. You would never get the surface level shit. It was never the Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I think it's an important thing to remember because, you know, it's so easy to be, like, a automatic expert on the Internet. You know, it's like someone dies and it's like, oh, well, if I just Google the second album, third song, and then write about it, <laughs> then, like, I can choke you. You know, it's like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. It's like that. The beautiful thing of the internet is you have the ability now to be an expert on anything you want. Mm-hmm. You can teach yourself. You can be an autodidact. That's great. Like I, I consider myself one. I didn't go to writing school. My teachers. I'm still learning. You know what I mean? Like I was reading a book by Bernard Malamud before. Like you called me, and I was like, trying to learn. And I'm like, you know, it's just like always trying to learn. I think Reggie was one of those people. You know, and he, he. The beauty of what he did was he allowed us to learn with him, you know, mm-hmm. and, to, and to pass on his knowledge, you know, cause he had so much knowledge, but you could tell like he was so interested 
and that's I think what it's about you know like he so wanted to know everything and there's not enough people like that and, and like there's no one I ever respect more than Reggie you know mm-hmm. One of the greatest, and I'm happy you asked about it because honestly, like I, I like I feel like I'm like whenever I talk to someone about Reggie, I'm just like, Ugh. you know, it's, and I don't want to make it seem like we were like really close. I mean, we were, we we were very cool. You know, we would like you know DM each other sometimes, mm-hmm. and email each other sometimes, and you know, I was on this show, and you know, I was and I'm, I'm friends with Chris who ran a loudspeakers network, so I, I did definitely you know with somebody I knew personally and fairly well, but I just what he, you know, I think what he brought was just something that I think all of us, I mean, that's why you asked about him because just, there is that connection, right? Mm-hmm. With the podcast, that, well, yeah, you feel like even if uh, you haven't met him, you know, him, you know, from the stories yeah. and all that, the knowledge and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, let's listen to on a, on a more fun note. Uh, I have to ask you this, uh, top five MCs go right now or all time, all time. Okay. All time. Um, all right. You may a second. I mean, go face. You have to say Jay. I mean, they're boring. They're, they're always boring. It's, like, it's the most boring. It's like, you know to say? I mean, a ghost is, you know, I love ghosts. I have to say ghost. I have to say Jay-Z. Because Jay-Z, like, you have to. I mean, you have to say Tupac and Biggie, honestly, to me. Mm. And, like, then you go for, like, the, like, then you, like, then you do the Southerner. It's like Southern rap. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, you know, it's, you have to have a West Coast guy. You have to have an East Coast guy. And getting two East Coast guys. You know, I probably... I'm, you know, I'm gonna say Scarface. I, oh. I always, I, I feel like, like I love, see, I love Andre, and that would be like, you know, I, I prefer. I mean, if we're gonna be like, whose discography would you prefer? You know, would you prefer the uh, the Outcast discography or like Scarface and the Ghetto Boys? Mm-hmm. By a slight edge, I'm gonna go with Outcast because I think Outcast is just a good. They, they, they might be the greatest act in music history. Like honestly, like mm-hmm. they, they might, they very well might be. Like, cool. I mean, the Beatles are amazing, but like. I don't know. <laughs> the Beatles don't have an equimini. <laughs> like, I love them. They're amazing. Show me the Beatles, Spodiote, Dople, Dople, Delicious, or whatever. Like, I mean, she said. Yeah, that's like, true, true. I don't know. Who's, you know, I don't know. Like, where's your chunky fire, John? <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go with Scarface because, honestly, I feel like he's just, like, sort of, like, and I feel when you go top five, you're ultimately, like, they're not your favorites. Mm-hmm. My favorites are, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like, because, you know what I mean? Because the truth of the matter is your favorites are going to be just whoever, like, you heard when you were 13 to 23, which I guess in this case is a lot of these guys. Right. But, um, but I do think, um... I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I, I could understand why. I mean, if I was like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I get why kids put like a little Wayne or, or Kendrick in there. You know, like, that's fine. Like, that's how it's going to go. Like, you know, old people shouldn't just be like, how dare you put a little Wayne in your top five? It's like, yeah, of course. They were like 13 in 2007. <laughs> what do you fucking expect? Mm-hmm. Like, that was their, that was what made them love hip hop. So who are you to tell them not to? Sure. Be thankful that they think little Wayne is the fucking top five. That's what a lot of hip hop just fucking flourish and it's not become like classic rock where it's just like dead. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I don't to hear a bunch of bands trying to sound like the 60s even I fuck with plenty of them you know it's not what like brings it forward like hip hop is you know I mean I'm sure there's gonna be people like in the future they're gonna be like yeah Young Thug's top five and you know what they're not wrong mm-hmm. but I mean for me like I mean I don't know I'm a writer so it's like good luck writing anything better than Supreme clientele. I mean that's like the holy grail right and Jay-Z mm-hmm. I mean forget it like that guy's like what I mean he is just that, that discography is just no one has no one has more hits you know no one has 
I mean, he wrote like a Where I'm From in 1997. He's writing like the story of OJ in 2017. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know what? That's unparalleled. Tupac, forget it. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's like he represents like the black experience in America and like the revolutionary mentality and like West Coast rap and like somehow East Coast rap and just like I mean the struggle and just my God, like you just you know like the, the uh, you know you don't get a a Boosie without Tupac, you know, mm-hmm. and um. And then Biggie, I mean, like, Biggie to me is just, like, that's just perfection. Like, mm-hmm. Biggie never has, there's no wrong syllables in Biggie. You mm-hmm. know, like, like every, I forget every word, which is perfect. Except for, like, there's a couple lines, maybe, like, you know, a couple, like, you know, a couple, like, you know, fucking people with broomsticks. Could have done that. line where he's like, I'd suck at that. It's a weird line. Nothing against it. It's just weird. It's a strange line. I don't know if I were him. I don't. I think he probably would agree. Um, but like, yeah, he's such a, again in that voice, like whatsoever. I mean, like to. to I mean, you I don't know. Ever since I had a daughter, I really can't sing that electrical tape around the daughter line so well anymore. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it's just, but it's just like that. You know, old, like it's just the way he like just the syllables. Like, no, how he puts it together. So I know what you're perfect. saying. Yeah, and that voice. Uh-huh. Like I mean, that voice. Like. Jesus Christ, like that, like thunder of God fucking voice. I mean, Tupac too had that voice. And mm-hmm. Scarface too. I mean, Scarface is an Old Testament prophet. And like, mm-hmm. to me, that's like what he represents. You're like, oh shit, <laughs> look on the horizon. There's the hurricane. There's the tornado. There's Scarface. You know, like bring like, just the, I mean, Scarface and Scarface was Tupac's favorite rapper. So I feel mm-hmm. like Tupac's one of my favorites. Like, you gotta pay, you know, there's a reason why. Yeah. And just like, I mean, what he did with the Ghetto Boys. I mean, dude practically invented Southern rap with that. Yeah. Shit, you know, so it's like, also, can we just mention that Scarface and the Ghetto Boys had the best album covers ever? Ever. I ever. Mean, Mr. Scarface is back is one of my favorites. I love We Can't Be Stopped. <laughs> just again yeah. and again. Like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is there any more harrowing image than them wheeling fucking with Bill with one eye out? Like, you're like, what? Like, if nothing else, you're top five for that alone. Like, better, I mean, I mean, there's some cool album covers in 2000. I mean, Kendrick has some great covers. Uh-huh. Right. Nothing is like that, you know? So, I mean, that, that would have to be my top five. Oh, know. yeah. Well, that's that's a good one. Well, um, yeah. yeah, well, hey, I appreciate what you what you do, and uh, thank you so much for, for talking with me for so long, yeah, and I uh, hope we can talk again yeah. soon. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm around. I'm, 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 like, I'm always, like, like I said, like, I'm going to wind up to I'm just like, fucking just be like, ask me one question, and I'll talk for an hour and a half, and then at the end of the No, you... you <laughs> you're, the easiest, you're the easiest guest I've ever had, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's my, my, my weakness is my strength, and my strength is my strength. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, it was a blast talking to you, dude, and I hope you have a good night. Yeah, likewise, you too. All right, later. <laughs> Bye.
you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. And if you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. I have no idea what, if anything, I'll be doing with these, but it could be interesting. Until next time.